Hello there cockroaches. Welcome back or welcome aboard. Whichever you are, you are welcome. We're all radioactive cockroaches around the table here. This podcast is designed to be a little comforting community as well as a bit informative for people who have been harmed by or love someone who has been affected by sexual assault. Fellow cockroaches, this is an honest space. And while we're avoiding triggering stories, be aware that the content may raise issues for you and please call 1-800-RESPECT if that happens for you or for someone who you love. You can also go to our Facebook page and click on a link there which will take you to some helpful resources. And mercifully for all of you, it's not just me anymore, it's Dion Stutzo. Hi. Hello. We are podcasters. We are indeed. And we've got an international audience and you're, you're the tech fiend, so you've been digging deep and we're saying hi to people. We're saying hello to people in the United Kingdom. Oh, of course we are. We're saying hello to people in Washington State. Oh, hi there, Washington State. And hello to people in Japan. Well, hello, Japan. And hello, all the other cockroaches here on the home turf, Australia. And of course, we're here in Victoria. So we're not visiting anyone because we're in the middle of a COVID spike. But remember, we're online and... You can be cockroaches, podcasted cockroaches, giving us feedback and ideas for interviews, radioactive cockroach on Facebook, judycockroach at gmail.com. Upload an audio or ask for a chat, we record on the phone. Please share us with your friends or click on subscribe to hear us again. This chopsticks audio, it's Liberace. He played it at Carnegie Hall in the 70s. If you keep listening, it's quite histrionic, and so we will fade it out now. Find us on Facebook, Radioactive Cockroach, or on Instagram, radioactive.cockroach, or email us on judycockroach at gmail.com. It's all in the information on the podcast feed. Today is the first time we're bringing to you our segment, Cockroaches in the Spotlight. That spotlight is what we step into when we decide to call out a sexual assault whether it be in the, through the police and the courts or whether it be to make a complaint or whether it be simply to confide in a friend or to disclose to family what's happened to us. We step into the spotlight and that spotlight can feel a little bit shriveling. We're here to keep you company. Sometimes cockroaches go into the spotlight and today we're doing the spotlight on the court where some of us might have to give evidence and some of us might have to support people who are giving evidence. And our tip of the day is wear a jumper. Generally, courts are over air conditioned 
because the temperature has to be comfortable for men in three-piece suits, a woolen robe and a wig. And even the female judges say they get a bit chilly around the ankles and they say, bring a A jumper. jumper. (laughs) I sat in the body of the court with a young woman. It was 43 degrees outside and she had worn shoestring straps and not a lot on her legs and some nice strappy sandals and hadn't brought anything. I've never seen anybody so cold. You really want to be comfortable. So bring a jumper. That's our tip of the day. Now, the other thing is, how do you feel when you go into court? And Judy Stutz, you can tell us how it feels to go to the High Court. Yes, I can. I was working at the Prime Minister and Cabinet at the time. I was a very junior staff member. Did you look busy? Unfortunately, I clearly didn't look busy because somebody had, uh, when they had gone down to the court, had left a folder behind. This is, I believe, a cataclysm. It certainly appeared to be a cataclysm. There were a lot of people running around with the folder wondering what to do. I was clearly not looking busy enough, so it was handed over to me and I was told, get the hence to the court. Five minutes ago? Exactly. And luckily for me, it was you know 500 metres away, so I could hoof it down in my sensible shoes. Oh, what a sensible person. Exactly. Uh, and deliver it. Now, I'd never actually been in the court before, but I'd been told how to behave. You know, you go in, you bow to the judge, you drop whatever you have off, bow to the judge as you hit the road, and then run run back to the office. And in future, look busy. And in future, look busy so they don't <laughs> ask you to do it again. So there I am. I've gone into the court. I've bowed to the judge and then... The unthinkable happened. The judge spoke and said, Go to that dormouse! Spearhead to that dormouse! Turn that dormouse out of court! Suppress him! Pinch him! Off with his whiskers! Something like that? Nothing like that. Oh. Uh, Firstly, I I resent the implication that I have whiskers. I do not. Well, I'm with Judith Lucy, Judy Stutz, (laughs) and she's owning up to being a bit walrusy, but you are smooth. Thank you. Uh, No, the judge did not do that. He actually said, Oh, hello. You're new. What's your name, dear? Dear? Did he call you dear? He did call me dear. Uh, Remember, this was, you know, I was a very young woman. Sorry for interrupting. It's just that we need to do a bit of fact-checking here and make sure that Judy wasn't talking to a guy called Dyson Hayden. Google him if you're international. He's in a bit of strife, a former High Court judge. Judy. It was, in fact, Michael Kirby. Why didn't you recognise him? What can I say? I saw a wig, a robe and a big bench. That was it. Well, fair enough. Uh, And I probably looked younger than my... Probably 21 years. Oh, he thought you were the work experience student. I think he did. <laughs> I think he did. He looked at this 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 little scared thing coming through the door and went, oh, poor little Dickens. I'll just try and make her feel comfortable. <laughs> oh, he succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> not realising that speaking to me was not good because I, I was just managed to sputter out my name 
And uh, he said, all right then, you can deliver your package. And I handed it over to the silk and, uh, you know, turned around and backed out of the room and gave my little bow and and shot through like a scalded cat. Thank you, Judy Starts. And of course, the court is not run by the Red Queen from Alice in Wonderland. It's run by a judge, and it's the judge's responsibility to keep control of what's happening in the court. And of course, that means they might show an interest in you. The judge may speak to you, or they may get a court official to speak to you. But that's okay. It's an actual human being speaking, not just a wig, a robe, and a bench. And to prove that to you, next week we'll be hearing from His Honour, Justice Andrew Tinney of the Supreme Court of Victoria, and we'll be hearing how he has been caring for witnesses as they attend court over the many years of his career in the courts of Victoria. In particular, he'll be reflecting on the benefits for witnesses of the Witness Assistance Scheme. So now we move out of the spotlight and into a place of pure pleasure where we meet Judy Horacek. Judy Horacek is well known in our household where we love her. She's a cartoonist that's accompanied our family through many things. I recently found aprons and little postcards and signs around my mother's house who in her 90s still looks back with affection on the encouragement that Judy Horacek gave her. Go to her website, we refer to it later, but now listen as me, Judy DL, and our friend, Judy Stutz, join Judy Horacek to become... I never said Judy, Judy, Judy. And welcome to the wonderful, the amazing, Judy Horacek. Hello, lovely to be here. And I believe you've got a new role in life involving the Comedy Festival. That's, um, so last year they, well the year before they asked me, so last year's Comedy Festival had my figure um, used as the, the branding, the logo, the emblem, I don't know what you call it. Apparently in the office they refer to her as the Judy Girl, so it's a, a swirly figure that uh, is on all the marketing thing and that's going to be on again this year and then next year they will use someone else. So they just had 30 years of Lunig and then they're now they're trying to mix it up a little bit, which is great. So I think it's great, yeah. particularly they're mixing it up with women because um, Judy Stutz, you had your first show at the Comedy Festival last year, didn't you? I did indeed. You have to have Judy Girl on all your posters and flyers and things. Yeah. So... Well, you were everywhere. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, I was broadcast. The, <laughs> did you see the light outside the town hall yes. that beamed down onto the footpath and would watch people walk through it? And yep, I, I had a great time. It. You know, yep. taking photos, the kind of selfies, really, of um, of the, the the figure there. So it was good, and and a, yeah. a lot of people said, "Oh, it just makes me feel so happy." You know, she's so full of joy. The figure, which is more or less the brief, we want something full of joy. Well, comedy's meant to bring joy. It's meant to, yeah. And that's what we're hoping to do. And um, we're hoping that you're sitting here at the, the fourth person at the 
table and experiencing a we little bit of joy. We even have a chair for you. I've We've got noticed. a chair. <laughs> it's a chair and it's right there beside Judy Horacek and that's where you're sitting, we hope. And it's feeling as excited as we are. The thing about your work is it's always just touched a part of me that is really hopeful and really joyful and I've always wanted to be a woman with altitude. And We all do. It's aspirational. It's aspirational. <laughs> but it aspires to such kindness. And so I guess that's why I, I want to thank you. But I think you have got another book. So I did, because I finished at the age and I have always in my whole career um, produced a book, a collection of cartoons every so often, every few years. So I had this body of work from the last few years that I did at the age that I thought, well, it needs to be in a book as well. In fact, the sort of work in cartooning has dwindled across all the sources. So where my other books have had cartoons from, you know, four or five or 20 different places, now, you know, it was only the age. So it was... Um, it's a lovely little book because because they are all from the same place. So, it, you know, there's a continuity to it and I did them... I was then able to just run them chronologically, which was nice as well. So I just did that book. I made it a small thing. Publishers aren't interested in publishing books that don't, you know, that don't sell 10,000 copies anymore. The marketing of it all, yeah. it's all just changed yeah. so much. Yeah. So I had to self-publish. Well, I decided to self-publish it as I self-published the previous one my penultimate book, Random Life, and um, and Horror I distributed Horacek Press, yes, which is me with the woman with altitude as my little logo. Absolutely. Um, and I, so when I did that one, which is my second last book, I distributed it through shops and paid a publicity person, did media, did masses and masses of things. And in fact, it was a lot of hard work, sort of for no net gain. So this one was just, I marked on, it was on Possible, a crowdfunding campaign, and I just said, get it now or never. And that ended up being the title, actually, of it, which worked quite well. But <laughs> so we're looking at now or never. Now or never. So that meant that more people supported it on Possible and then I just had to send out all the books. And the book exists. It will be in, you know, the library, the National Library of Australia. So it's there, but I didn't go through all of the other the other kind of thing. Cartoon books don't really sell. They're sort of better than poetry, but they don't, you know, they're not big sellers. It's very hard to make a living as an author, author these days. Yeah. Um, as, as my friend Greg Fleet, the uh, recent author and comedian, he said, well, when I decided to become an author, I didn't think I'd make less than as I made as a comedian. <laughs> <you know? laughs> One thing that is... Um, there is a trend, though, for com famous comedians and actors to start doing picture books and then they sell them. You know, radio people are doing them and they sell them by the bucket loads because, yes. of course, people are buying them for their name. And that, so, you know, I look at that and go, oh, can't you just – you've already got a lot of money. Can't you just sit on that and leave this very tight feel to some of us who, you know, that's are what really we do. I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> but if I went to www www.horrorcheck.com.au and tried to buy your book, would I succeed? No. No. Oh, never No, mind. but because you personally know me, maybe you could, like, sneak me an email and I might let you okay. know. Okay. But, you know, because it, because I did market it as, you know, now deal, deal with the, the sign-up on Possible and go through all of that, which, yeah. you know, for... Yeah, so, so that's what I did. I do actually, yes, to be honest, have a few boxes. I couldn't do a book without having some spares, so... Um, yeah. Yes, if people ask me nicely, they can buy a copy of Now and Ever from me. I sold fourteen hundred copies, which is you know that's not, that's, that's, bad. That's not that's bad. That's not bad. Respectable. Um, 
uh, and that was as many as I sold last time, distributing it into the shops and doing okay. masses of media, etc. So yep. it just um, that was just the an easier way for me to do it, and I'm just so it's just because you've got a beautiful body of work that is, and that you you are a household name. It doesn't mean oh certain fantastic yeah. wonderful households the you know yeah, the best households the best <laughs> households but it doesn't translate into uh, five star accommodation on holiday well no not not at the moment but it no. doesn't really but I, I'm sitting here with my mercifully my um, great niece doesn't really count the days or her notice that her great aunt hasn't sent her a present because I'm going to get this get you, if you would, to personally sign Where is the Green Sheep, which has been around forever, but it is such a beautiful book. It's 15 years old. Yeah. So kind of an instant classic, really. So as soon as it came out, it went... It was amazing. They printed initially, I think, 20,000 copies, and then they they said, oh, we've gone to... Every time they reprint, they send me a copy of the book. Mm -hmm. They said, we've gone to reprint, we've printed another 1,000, and then we've gone to reprint, we've printed another... 1500 we've gone to reprint we've printed 5000 oh we've gone to reprint we've printed 30000 so they just you know it just they weren't i don't think they were expecting it and in um talk about books now where they say they have a shelf life between milk and yogurt because really it's easier for the publishers just to bring in new stuff yes not to you know they don't the back, the whole idea of a backlist is sort of last century yep apart from some books and this one thankfully made it through and uh, you know kids just love it and do and as some i was a foster carer yeah and this is a a book that's enjoyable by every child when you never censor a good book for a child but sometimes it gets a bit wearisome when it doesn't speak to your child and this book speaks so beautifully to every child and i love it very much same. I have to you mention that I did it with Mem Fox. I well, yes, well, I should mention I did it with, you you mean with Mem Fox. She's and so bad. it came about Mem yeah. fell in love with a, a little etching I'd done of a green sheep and she said, you should turn it into a character in yep. a book. Yep. And I said, well, let's, let's do it together. Yep. You know, we can, um, so we did. Yes, I should have mentioned that it does actually happen. I mean, she often sometimes doesn't. Fox. She sometimes doesn't mention me, so, you know. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the flurry and the flow of the yes. interview, you just kind of take yeah. all the credit. Well, look, I think it's, that's okay for, for the illustrator occasionally to get a mention because <laughs> <laughs> they don't always. Yeah, well, we do live in a very logocentric world, so people do do call it Mem Foxes, Where is the Green Sheep? And I'm always there going, and Judy Horacek. Yeah, wouldn't be the same without her. <laughs> Um, Got to have the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Well, and some people think that Mem does. They know she can't draw, but they think that she tells me exactly what to draw where, so that mm. the only bit she can't do, she you know. Whereas the whole thing of doing a picture book, it's where you put everything in yeah. along, distributed along all the pages on, on each page, and it's it's quite a complicated organism, which I, I don't think I'd truly appreciated until I started to do it. And here's me thinking it was just pictures and stuff. No, you didn't. You're just <laughs> pretending. No, there's a wonderful episode in, in that comedy series, Black Books, where they decide oh, to make so a fortune. Oh, that's so funny, isn't it? Yes. And then they burn it because it's too good. Yes, and they're going to be um, – yes, it's going – the money's going to ruin their lives. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I'm really hoping that the, the, your next venture is going to be just too good and I'm certainly going to be attending the comedy festival in the cloakroom. Well, um, in the cloakroom at the moment, but I don't think they – kind of leave those things vague those, I think they're still working shift out. Them it's around. like those those yeah. little things we used to play with where you pushed a series of tiles around with your thumb 
Exactly you like that. That anywhere. is the best definition of the comedy <laughs> festival I have ever heard. Yeah, so you could... You could, you could be top left-hand corner now, but you're going to wind up stuck between a mismatch down on the bottom right-hand corner till they sort it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I did um, – so I just I just thought, well, why not? And it's the second year that they're using my logo and the final year – probably the final year that they're using my my the Judy Girl thing. And I thought, well, why not actually go, well, here I am, I did, I did that and, and just do uh, – you know, it's, um, it's a slideshow. So I don't think it's actually a, a show show with, with that sort of – not sure if there's a mystery to creating a show that I don't know about or and if I'm just, you know, blindly just gone in boots and all going, yeah, I can do that. I'll just try and make people laugh or whether that's, um, I don't know. But I'll, I'll be getting advice from different people, including you, Judy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, look, all, all you need to do, one joke per slide. That'll yeah. be enough. Yeah. Well, I have to mix up the rhythm a bit, you know. Two oh, jokes yeah. for that slide and no joke at all for that slide. Go out <laughs> onto that edge. Yeah. I think what I want to do in the show is there's the cartoons and some of them people will be very familiar with, like the one with yes. Altitude cartoon and other ones that people go, oh, I didn't know you did that one. But there's also sort of stories behind them, things that have happened yep. subsequently with the cartoons, anecdotes people have told me about, you know, what a cartoon meant for them and, and you know, some of them are very funny. So it's just sort of fleshing it out, I suppose. And my work, I've always tried to make a better world and... Um, Obviously, I've failed. I'm sorry about that. I've really screwed that up. But um, well, we're holding you personally <laughs> responsible for climate change. The shiny glass ceiling. Yeah, Trump. Yeah. I birthed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just the you know, as I said, I've given up. I feel like it belongs. It belongs to the newspaper. You know, when the golden age of newspapers and and it, it cartooning is all across the board did as well. So, I'm sort of looking around at other things to do. I want to do more writing and more mix that up with writing with pictures in it and find new avenues and venues and um and then comedy is kind of the other end of that sort of going to do a comedy festival because that's you as a person like how much yeah. more analog can you be than standing in front of people with a microphone and it's a strange thing when when you think about it you're, you're just saying to people pay money and come and listen to me talk but yeah. can i say it's never bothered men quite so much the idea of what i've got to say is really interesting pay me for it and to step into that space as older women is refreshing and to see older women stepping up and saying I'm worth listening to. Oh, and by the way, I need to eat. I think it's brilliant. And I, I really affirm the older women stepping out. I remember once I gave a talk to, it was a professional development thing. There was a number, of, you know, a whole lot of professional women and it had been organised by someone. And there was only one man in the room and he'd given the previous talk. And I mentioned in my talk about women feeling like a fraud and how they often felt like they weren't qualified and that they couldn't do it and so they were going to be discovered. And, you know, I know that's not only women, but I think women feel that, really very very strongly because we've been told all the time that we you know don't have the right to have a voice or something and so you throw like a girl you can't do yeah, maths that's right. you know I was the only woman in my maths class at uni yeah a whole semester uh, certainly before lecturers and fellow students accepted that uh, like I could do it yeah know? well uh, after and, this yeah. talk the um, only man in the room so sort of the talk finished, there was a bit of, you know, there was some applause and then he stuck up his hand and he said, oh, and he said, oh, what you said about women being a fraud, men feel that too. And I thought, no woman in a room entirely of men would be the first person to ask the question, the first person to say, you know, I'm entitled to speak here and contradict you. And so that was some, um, and I pointed that out to some people and they went, oh, 
God, I hadn't thought of that. You know, that, that was the... Very, very entitled to the space. I saw that kind of subverted in a... Hashtag not all men. Hashtag yeah. not all men. <laughs> um, yeah, I was... Uh, and I was in a group of foster carers invited to directly lobby the minister at one stage and there were like 30 women, a lot with children in tow and one man. And they were, were invited to open the informal discussion and guess who opened it? Um, the one man. And I thought, oh, here we go. He burst into tears, said it had broken his heart, that the processes needed addressing and that was all he had to say on the matter, and he'd leave it to people who could actually speak. Oh, wow. And I thought, wow, that was really good, because he actually completely inverted the paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one else in the room cried. <laughs> but it's the only time I've seen that happen. <laughs> Is there anything you want to just tell us about your life at the moment? Any hobbies? Anything you're enjoying? Hobbies. <laughs> We're at that bit of my CV, are we? Down to the uh, oh, bottom. No, just, um, just, just one. Like if the bushwalking, just reading books, uh, all the usual things, really. Yeah. Well, you can't keep calling it the Judy, Judy, Judy podcast, can you? You're going to oh, run no, out of the people. The podcast is called the Radioactive Radio Cockroach, and this sex, Judy, Judy, Judy. You have to play it again, segment. Sam, segment, and then you'll have the... <laughs> yes. Exactly. At least we had Paris. That's, the, it's, that's another one. Yeah, all the things that were never said in a movie... That are famous. Um. <laughs> I never said Judy, Judy, Judy. Don't let our sweet love wither and die like flowers in the fall. Oh, Judy. Oh, Judy check. You can find her links on our Facebook feed and on our Instagram. Or just look for her for yourself all over the internet. And remember... We want to talk to all Judies, the rich and famous and the poor and nameless. So be in touch. And now it's time for Cockroach Relief with our resident comedian, Bess Patterson. And we thought maybe this week we'd make Bess the star of our own segment. So now it's time to lay down the burden of your heart. <laughs> it's too heavy. It's too heavy. Put it down. Here. Here. It's lighter when you let go, isn't it? <laughs> hello, 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 young Bess. Hello, Stutzo. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And hello, cockroaches. Greetings to all the cockroaches out there. In this session, I thought I'd give our wonderful Bess a bit of a grilling. Oh because, you see, she's been grilling comedians and asking them all these hard questions. And I thought, but nobody really knows Bess. Who is Bess? What drives Bess? Why is there a Bess? And so in this segment, I'm going to torment Bess. So everybody, get ready for some completely, utterly unscripted questions. That I'm going to ask young Bess. So, what's the worst job you've ever had? The worst of the worst was when I was 
18, I was briefly a chicken sexer. And what that means is that I was sorting the male chicks from the female chicks. And you don't do this by looking at their genitals. You do this by looking at the feathers on their wings. And I was to look at their wings and then in front of me there was a pink shoot and a blue shoot and I had to put the girls down the pink shoot and the boys down the blue shoot. But the worst day of my time working as a chicken sexer was when for some reason I got put in the room where they deal with all of the eggs that aren't fertilised and didn't have a viable chick in them. So they have this machine, they scan big trays of eggs, I don't know, using infrared and science and things, and they take the good eggs with the living chickens and then they send the bad eggs down the production line in a machine called the flip-flop machine. It's meant to flip them over and tip the eggs down a chute. And for some reason, I, on my second or third day there, got stationed at the flip-flop machine. And that happened to be the day that, one, there were no supervisors within reach, and two, the chute for the flip-flop machine broke. So I got to stand in front of a vat of bubbling rotten eggs. And I'm not talking about, oh, I won't use this egg to cook with because it has gone bad. I'm talking crack it open, a large room fills with the smell of the most putrid rotting egg. Rotten eggs go black and chunky when they're really rotten. I didn't know that until this day. Okay, I got to stand in front of the machine full of bubbling eggs and I had this like piece of metal, small metal pole that I was meant to use to reach in to try and mash the eggs up to get them to go down the chute and then when it became clear that the machine was actually going to start overflowing, I had to start lifting trays of eggs off the conveyor belt and stacking them around me. So then I ended up standing in my own city of six and seven foot high (laughs) stacks of rotting (laughs) eggs. And eventually a supervisor happened by to see what was going on because the empty trays of eggs hadn't been making it to the next room to be cleaned. And I said, I don't think this is working. (laughs) Can you please help me? (laughs) I was at home feeling really excited that I wasn't going to have to go back there for two days. And the job centre called me and they said, hi, we just wanted to let you know that they don't want you in on Monday. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Do they want me in on Tuesday? And they're like, no, no, we mean they don't want you in ever again. So I worked as a chicken sexer for three days and then got fired because I wasn't good enough. Bastards. Yeah. Just do some ASMR. (laughs) Hi, welcome to Bess's ASMR channel. That's going to be good for you to listen to in post-production. Oh, no, this is great. Are we wondering how I'm chewing and laughing at the same time? I'm not. Autonomous sensory meridian response. Is, is a tingling sensation that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and up a spine. Oh, is this the other one? You, you get it when people do things like whisper closely to the microphone. God. I mean, please.
Just the fact. Statso's stuck on Wikipedia reading about ASMR. And I just think... We're learning and having fun here at Radioactive Cockroach. But it sounds like a bunch of bollocks to me. Hi, I'm Bess, and today we're eating barbecue shapes. (laughs) I feel unclean. And you should. (laughs) Hey, look, the listeners can't see the look you're giving me, but I can see it. I get what you're saying, Stutzo. ASMR is not for you. What puts you to sleep, Stutzo? Valium. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. We have been really pleased with all the wonderful feedback we've been getting. Some of it's been quite thoughtful and and a lot of it was in response to the beautiful and really very moving story that Judy Starts told about her darling husband. And people didn't want to intrude, but they did wonder when you said he knew he was dying they're just hoping it wasn't too awful are you happy to set their minds at rest absolutely uh yes it wasn't too awful i mean apart from the dying bit the obviously dying bit was pretty awful uh david was uh, stabbed uh he died in the arms of a beloved colleague uh very quickly the irony of the thing is that uh, I was informed by his boss that his last words were, tell Jude that I love her. Yeah. Now, that was very nice to hear, but it really wasn't. Um, David didn't speak like that. So you didn't believe that? I, I, it didn't ring true. It didn't ring true. So what did you do? I spoke to his colleague. Of course you did. Because obviously they were the only one there. And I said, uh, look, here's what I was told. But it really doesn't sound like my David. And she said, well, actually, no, that's not what he said. And I said, well, I want to know what he actually said. So the word he actually said, he only said one word before he died, and that word was bugger. Now that is my boy. That was your boy. And And I hope that all your memories are as dear as the word Bugger as you die. <laughs> I, I just get a picture of him. Yeah. 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 That, that, was, that was my boy. That yeah. was your boy. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that and we're providing that bookend for, for people who were wondering. The question that Judy Stutz talked about that her David struggled with related to the decision he had to make about his church. And we want to hear from other people who've struggled with this question in relation to any community or, or forum where they've had to make that decision as a result of what's happened to them. The other bit that prompted some pretty good feedback pretty passionate feedback from some cockroaches, was the what made you say that segment that Bess had and where she put some question, uh, put a question or two to Greg Fleet and asked him for what his response would have been when that was said to them. 
We suggested the cockroaches might like to get back to us with their least favourite thing. And overwhelmingly, it's not a comment, it's a question. It's a question like, why did you get in the taxi with him? What made you go to a burlesque club in the first place? Why were you drinking? Goodness, what were you wearing? Did you really ask them back? All these questions that just say to the person who, against whom a crime has been committed right back at you. You just grab that shame girl and you wallow in it. The shame is yours. It may not be the intention. It may not. I'm sure it's not. But just know that when you ask someone those questions without simply listening and saying, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You do put a mirror up that says, this shame is your shame. I recently have been working on a play and it's um, the inside of my head uh, for the experience I went through back in the day when I called out a sexual assault and I did a bit of work on what it felt like to feel misplaced shame. And here it is. Back in the day, when I was embroiled in processes, having called out a rapist from my past, I spent a lot of time walking the banks of the Yarra in central Melbourne with the whirling furfies in my head. And gradually, an image grew of the perpetrator as a large cockroach lilo polluting my river. Eventually, a scene played out in my head through the song about a cockroach lilo Oh, my river and misplaced shame. There's a part of me that'll always be Flowing slowly to the sea When I'm far from home I get a shiver Whenever I think of that river I woke up with a cockroach. I woke up with a whole new status I couldn't embrace. So I just went with the flow. Inexorably, I was sucked out of the flow of the mainstream. The strong, steady current of that shipping canal was no match for the swirl of that undercurrent. And my cockroach Lilo's destination became my destination. When I die, put me in a barrel. I clung to my lilo, not trusting my own river, not trusting my own buoyancy, not trusting myself. And so I was washed out of the mainstream and into the litter trap. Me and a ridiculous inflatable cockroach. I was netted by one of those wire cages that is set just where the eddies swirl to the bank. The trap set to capture all the resilient and shameful dross of all our lives.
Beneath me, the river swept through the wire and on to Hobson's Bay and beyond. But I stayed put, clinging to a cheap balloon, a hollow promise, a fake and a fraud and a violent betrayal. There's a part of me that'll always be Flowing slowly to the sea When I'm far from home, I get a shiver river flowed on while I remained caged in with all our shame. The actual cockroach himself, of course, was long gone. Swimming freestyle. I'm Judy DL. And on behalf of me and my colleagues, Judy Stutz and Bess Patterson, we wish all you cockroaches a happy time over the next couple of weeks until we meet again. And I'm going to leave you with something that has brought me comfort as all the stuff around the High Court and the what really is the Australian legal profession's Me Too mo- moment, I think. It's a song by a young woman called Lindsay Lab. She brought it out in America um, when these issues were flying around there. And it I like it. It brings me a little bit of comfort to my cockroachiness. Bye. I can't walk to my car late at night while on the phone I can't open up my windows when I'm home alone I can't go to a bar without a chaperone I can't wear a mini skirt if it's the only one I own I can't use public transportation after 7pm I can't be brutally honest when you slide into my DMs I can't go to the club just to dance with my friends And I can't ever leave my drink unattended But it sure is a scary time for boys Yeah, gentlemen, band together, make some noise It's really tough when your reputation's on the line And any woman you've assaulted could turn up anytime. Yeah, it sure is a scary time for guys Can't speak to any woman or look her in the eyes It's so confusing, is it rape or is it just being nice? So inconvenient that you even have to think twice I can't live in an apartment if it's on the first floor I can't be wearing silk pajamas when I answer the door I can't have another drink even if I want more And I can't make you feel invalid, unseen or ignored I can't jog around the city with headphones on my ears I can't speak out against my rapist after 35 years I can't be taken seriously if I'm holding back tears And I can't ever speak earnestly about all these fears Cause it sure is a scary 
time for dudes Can't text a girl repeatedly asking for nudes Can't make a girl have sex when she's not in the mood And what gives her the right to give you attitude? Yeah, it sure is scary time for men Girls like to act like you're to blame and they're the victim Her dress was short and she was drunk, she's not so innocent Thank God your dad's the judge and you won't be convicted Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, because uh, it's not such a scary time for boys. They've always had the upper hand. They've always had a choice. It's time for women to rise up. Here's our collective voice. The date of votes, November 6th. So let's go make some noise. forward to seeing you next time and just a reminder that last time we said there'd be Tony with his meteorology and panpipes but we've bumped him to the next episode so come back next week and meet his honour Justice Andrew Tinney and Tony Bannister with his panpipes and a few others as well Thanks for listening. Now, anytime you feel in need of support, a good chat or information, we encourage you simply to call 1-800-RESPECT. And you can also go to our Facebook page and click on the link there. There's a whole range of supportive options. And there's also a lot of other stuff about us and our guests. Cheers! Radioactive. Cock.